This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. Again, my name is Ken Ballard and I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And I have to start this podcast off by being a proud papa. And I guess you can have this opportunity to just maybe indulge, indulge me for a moment. But my, my two older kids uh, at the school that they're at are involved in the robotics team. And this, this team is just really incredible. And it really has been a great experience for them this year so far being a part of it. And yesterday, they were part of the Los Angeles Regional uh, Robotics Competition. And the great thing about this is just being able to see that my kids had a chance to meet other teams. Now, this is really cool. Uh, They met a team from Turkey. They met a team from Brazil. They met a team from Chile. They met a team from Mexico. I mean, just not only that, but also, you know, there's a team from Vegas. So this really is a great chance for them to just be able to connect and get to know people from other parts of the world, too. But those teams actually came out to Los Angeles. How, how, how fun is that? And it was really fun, too, because on, on Friday night, they had a dance. And so I had to go and, and be a bouncer uh, for this dance. And what was really neat is they made it a point to not only play some American music, American rap music, but they also played uh, some Latino rap music, which was kind of cool to be able to hear. And they also played some Turkish rap music, which is, yes, they have rap in Turkey. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> but it was really cool to be able to watch. And, and I think there's some, also some Portuguese music that they played uh, for the Brazilians. And so there's some uh, Brazilian Portuguese uh, rap that they did also. So it was a really cool experience to be able to watch. But then the actual competition, because Friday was practice, the actual competition was Saturday and Sunday. And so it was really neat. To, to watch what these robots can do is just mind-blowing. And to know that the kids had a part in, or the kids were responsible for the design, the build, the plan, to come up with their robots to be able to accomplish these tasks. And it's a, it's a different set of tasks that they have to accomplish every year. So to see that the kids were able to come up with this and create it is just mind-blowingly amazing. Like even on my kids' robot that, that they were part of creating and planning and being part of the business team and all those other elements uh, that they're responsible for. But this robot has an eye and it has a turret on the top. And one of the things I have to do is I have to go around and have to collect these energy balls and then they shoot the balls into the turret. I'm sorry, they shoot the balls into a hole. So their robot has a turret on it. So within a certain distance, no matter where the robot is, it's able to find a hole because it actually has a laser that guides it <laughs> into this hole. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing. And then not only that, they have this bar. So the robot at the end of the section that they're doing has to get to this bar. They extend a grappling hook from the robot, from the top of the robot. The robot pulls itself up on his grappling hook. And then somehow my kid's team was able to create this robot where with the grappling hook, 
it, it's able to actually move itself back and forth across the hook, like left or right, because they also get extra points if the hook, if the if the bar is balanced. So they were able to build this and to do, I mean, it's just freaking amazing. And just seeing it, what all the other teams were able to compete and able to do was just mind blowing as well. But then the piece de resistance is my kids team did really well, got to the quarterfinals, did well there, made it past the semis, got to the finals, and I was really concerned about the finals because there's this one alliance, because what they do is they take the teams and they break them up into alliances. So because my kids' team was in first place, they got to choose the other team. So they had these two teams with them that made an alliance. And so what happens is your alliance competes against another alliance. And so this one alliance that had gotten to the final was able to build, build robots where uh, you get more points if you're able to get all three robots up onto the bar and it's balanced. And so in a couple of their semifinals and quarterfinals, this team that they were going up against was able to get the robots up, all three, compared to their alliance was only able to get two up. So I was like, man, you know, this is stressful coming in and you're watching and you're biting your nails and, <laughs> you know, the whole deal. And my kids' team was able to pull it off. Their alliance won it. How exciting for them. And what's really neat is in their alliance, they included this team that has never won anything. And now because of being connected with the alliance with my kids' team, this team is now guaranteed to go to Houston for the first robotics competition championship in Houston. The world actually sends teams like this is just a, a small sampling, I guess I should say, of the teams that will be coming from around the world. So just just blown away and amazed, just blown away and amazed. And my wife, you know, and I were talking and we were just talking about like for these teams, they have drivers and just imagine the level of stress that you go through as a driver, because as a driver, your whole, your whole team is now dependent upon you and your success. Because you could build a great robot, but if the driver does terribly, then unfortunately, the whole team suffers. So to have that pressure, and so you, you do, you feel fear you know, for them. You feel worry for them. You feel stress for them. But I can only imagine now how excited those drivers are just being able to have this chance to be able to do that for their team and to deliver a championship for their team is just just flat out amazing. Just amazing. Well, we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks called The Art of Neighboring. And, and really what we're doing is, is we're looking at Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, which says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus is talking about is the two greatest commandments. He takes the Ten Commandments and he takes the first five books of the Old Testament and he narrows it down to two laws or two commandments. Love God, love others as yourself. Love God, love others as yourself. And so as a church, what we've been doing is we've been focusing on the second part of that is love your neighbor as yourself. 
And, and here's the question that we've been wrestling with. It's simply this, is when Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, what if he meant your literal neighbor? What if you meant your literal neighbor? So we're talking about like from your home, if you're in a house, we're talking about the two houses right next to you and the houses that are around you. If you're living in an apartment, we're talking about the people that live in your apartment building. If you live in a mobile home park, we're, we're talking about other mobile homes that are around you. But when Jesus says to love your neighbor, what if he meant it literally? So what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at what is it that causes us to hold back from being able to reach our neighbor. And last week we looked at time and how important it is for us to really make a priority for that which God values. And, and the other thing that we wanted to look at this week is an, another barrier that holds us back. And it's simply this, fear. It's fear. Specifically, the, the fear of the unknown. So here's a challenge, I think, is, is we do live in a culture of fear. We live in a culture of fear right now. Just think about this. One of the greatest, I guess, pieces of technology that we have is called a smartphone. Whether you are an Android person or you are an iPhone person, me specifically, I'm an Android person. Uh, I, I just won't get into that, but I'm an Android guy. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into the Android versus iPhone thing a little bit later. Uh, but I, I, like, I like them both, but I just lean towards Android. But the idea behind it is when you look at your, your, your smartphone now, just the availability of information is just phenomenal. But here's the thing is not only the availability of information phenomenal, the availability of news is phenomenal. And I wish that I could say that it's the availability of good news, right? Wouldn't it be great if it was just always good news? But unfortunately, it's the bad news that drives us. I'll say two words, two words. Matter of fact, when I say bad news, you might already know the two words that I am going to say. Corona virus, right? Coronavirus. And I'll tell you, I get the idea of going to the store and, and buying water, you know, making sure you have water. I, I get that. Hand sanitizer. I get that. But I'm still trying to figure out why are stores running out of toilet paper? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people are buying that in the, you know, the, with the mindset of maybe I'll have to have tissue and sneeze and cough. I, I'm not sure about hand sanitizer I get, water I get, maybe even soup I would get. Toilet paper, why are we running out of toilet paper, folks? <laughs> maybe that's just my ignorance. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure that one out. But a lot of it is driven by fear. It's driven by fear. And that's just the coronavirus. I mean, you go through and you look at your app and, you know, we, we got all kinds of bad news that's going on. And depending upon your perspective, Super Tuesday last week may have been bad news for you. I don't know. I don't know what your political leanings might be. 
And this isn't a time for me to endorse one politician over another or one way to vote over another. Hey, however you vote, just please go out and vote and make your vote count. But the thing is, when it, when it comes, some people are afraid because of what they've seen. The Bernie Sanders camp is now afraid of the momentum that's been given by Joe Biden. And, you know, the Joe Biden camp now, they are afraid that the, that the youth will mobilize and put Bernie Sanders in. And as a Democrat, the Democrats are afraid that whoever the Democratic person is, where they have the ability to be able to beat Trump, and, you know, some of the Trump people are afraid because now Joe Biden is picking up steam. And what if he gets in there? He's more moderate. Uh, will he be able to beat Trump? But all of it, all of it is still driven by fear. It's still driven by fear. So I don't know. I, I don't know where you, you stand at when it comes to being afraid. But I think that these are great questions for us to kind of dig into and ask ourselves when it comes to being able to to just challenge ourselves when it comes to fear. Just for fun, I went to a website called verywellmind.com and I just started looking at phobias. Like what are, what is a list of some of the phobias that you could find? And I thought some of them uh, were just interesting. Here's one that I struggle with, acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. I struggle with that. Now, I've gotten better at it. I think one of the things that helped me getting better at it, honestly, is going to summer camp with youth. You know, when you have kids that you're trying to invest in and influence in positive ways, one of the things that you want to encourage your kids to do is to face their fears. Well, in order for the, you to encourage them to face their fears, you have to be willing to face yours. And so, yes, on to the high ropes course I went. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, man, I think I had a vision of Jesus because <laughs> I, was, I was scared out of my mind. But I, but I get it. I, I get those who struggle with acrophobia. And then, you know, as you go on, there's arachnophobia. I think my daughter might struggle with that one. My youngest daughter, man, she hates spiders, not just spiders, anything with legs, any any insect <laughs> with wings and legs she is definitely not a fan of and some of you might feel this one as well sometimes i've wondered if there are people who struggle with bibliophobia which is the, the fear of books maybe you know for some of you you might be wondering well maybe that's what's going on with my child <laughs> maybe that's why it's so hard for me to get them to study or read books is because they have bibliophobia which is the fear of books this one was really interesting to me uh, cholrophobia, which is the fear of clowns. And I think there is some legitimacy to that. Uh, clowns are kind of scary. Yes, do, 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 do. you know, they're funny. They're honk, honk. They got the, you know, the thing on their nose. And, I, I, you know, I, I get that. But, 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 but clowns can be terrifying. And I was looking to see if there is a fear of Santa. Because <laughs> I know Santa's not a clown. I, you know, I, I get that part. But I've seen this so many times. We tell our kids, beware of strangers. Avoid strangers. Avoid strangers offering you candy and to take you somewhere. Avoid strangers. And then what do we do? We take them to the mall, right? And we stand in line. And then when we get to the front of the line, we put them on this stranger's lap. 
And then just imagine it when you are two years old and you look up to this stranger and he has this, this beard out of nowhere. There's this huge beard and he's ho, 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 ho. Oh, <laughs> you know, just imagine that as a child. Yes, I would, mom, I would scream too. Is there a fear of Santa? I'd be interested to see if there's one. Glossophobia, fear of speaking in public. So many people wrestle with that. Some people say that, some studies say that people wrestle with the fear of speaking in public more than the fear of death. It really is a legitimate fear. Uh, hydrophobia. This is a great one. And, and I'm so glad that my kids don't use this. When you say to your kids, hey, uh, wash the dishes. Uh, sorry, mom, I have hydrophobia, which is a fear of water. <laughs> Can't wash the dishes today. I have hydrophobia. And again, there's a, there's a, a, a litany of just different phobias that are out there. Sometimes I do wish my kids had technophobia, which is a fear of technology. Screen time is a challenge in our home, as I'm sure with a lot of you that have teenagers and tweens of trying to work out screen time. And then there's this one, xenophobia, which is the fear of strangers or foreigners. The fear of strangers or foreigners. And I wonder when it comes to our neighbors, if that is the fear that we find ourselves wrestling with. This person, I don't know who they are. I don't know what their expectations are. What if they are so different from me? There is this fear that we have of strangers. And some of it is legitimate. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Again, as kids, we were raised. We were raised to avoid strangers. But I think here's the greater challenge is, I think as we've just, as our society have gotten older and it seems like social media has grown, I've had conversations with people and I'm sure that you have as well. That although we live in this age of social media and you could have 2,000 friends that follow you on Facebook or on Instagram, TikTok followers, or just whatever. It seems like although we are more connected electronically than ever, we are more disconnected socially than ever. Would you agree with that? And this isn't the first time I've, I've said it, and it's probably not the last time that you're here, especially if you're going to be listening to this podcast on a regular basis. But I think it really is a struggle uh, that we have. So how do we overcome xenophobia? Well, I went on this website. I thought that was really great. It's called helpguide.org, and it's about mental health and wellness. And first of all, they just talked about what are some of the physical symptoms that we have of a phobia? And it's difficulty breathing, a racing or pounding heart, chest pain or tightness, trembling or shaking, feeling dizzy or lightheaded, a churning stomach, hot or cold flashes, tingling sensations, and sweating. Those are some of the physical symptoms. And it is true, I think, when it comes to the idea of walking outside the door of our homes and going over to our neighbor's homes, we might experience some of those 
And it may be a very legitimate fear. Now, of course, there's a different levels of depth for it. It's, for some, it could be incapacitating. For others, maybe not so much, but there's, a level, there's an element of it that is there. What about these? It says emotional symptoms as well of a phobia. Feeling overwhelmed or anxiety, a panic, a feeling intense need to escape. The fear of losing control or going crazy, feeling like you're going to die or pass out. Here's some, some, a few more. Uh, feeling unreal or detached from yourself, knowing that you're overreacting, but feeling powerless to control your fear. I love that one. Knowing that you're overreacting, but feeling powerless to control your fear. And I, I think so many of us can wrestle with that too. Like I, I know that I, I shouldn't completely be this terrified of going next door to knock on my neighbor's door just to introduce myself and, and say hello. But honestly, I'm mortified by it. I'm mortified by it. So I, you know, I, I get it. There's, there's no judgment for me on that part. But I wonder if there are ways that we can begin to, to change it, to change it. In the same article, it talked about challenges, ways to challenge negative thoughts about your phobia. And it says, here's some examples of negative thoughts, fortune telling. For example, the bridge is going to collapse. I'll make a fool of myself for sure. I will definitely lose it when the elevator doors close. Well, we begin to forecast what it is that we thought, what we think might happen. And sometimes when we do that forecasting, we have this battle with self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you look for something bad enough, eventually you will find it. It's kind of that same idea. Overgeneralization. I've, I fainted once while getting a shot. I'll never be able to get a shot again without passing out. Uh, that pit bull lunged at me. All dogs are dangerous. It, it's, and again, I want to make this really clear. This is nothing about pit bulls. I have a pit bull. And let me tell you now, if my pit bull lunges at you, it is not to bite you. My pit bull, if she lunges at you, you know what she's lunging at you for? Love me, love me, say that you love me. <laughs> she is looking for you to pet her and love her. She wants to sit on your toes because she happens to have herself confused with being a lap dog. <laughs> so she'll come and she'll try to sit on you. But she is a lover. She's a lover. And unfortunately, pit bulls have been demonized. But I'm going to get off my soapbox about pit bulls. But I'm just going to tell you now, leave pit bulls alone. <laughs> they are great dogs. They're great dogs. And don't buy into the lies about pit bulls. Don't buy into the lies. It's just like any other dog. It's not about the dog. It's about the owner. Catastrophizing is not cat catastrophizing. Sorry. But it says, the captain said we're going to go through turbulence. A plane is going to crash. <laughs> the person next to me coughed. Maybe it's coronavirus. I'm going to get very sick. So we did. And actually, it was really interesting because I was at the store yesterday. And there was a woman that was in front of me. And she went to the register, and while she was at the register, she sneezed. <laughs> and you should have seen the look on the cashier's face. And the son of the customer was standing right next to her, and he looked at his mom and said, Mom, coronavirus. And she's like, that's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> Knock that off. But you can see the cashier 
the thought really did go through her mind, is it possible? Because again, what do we do? We live in a moment of fear. So how do we begin to contradict that? Here are four questions that I suggest. Is there any evidence that contradicts my negative thoughts? Is there any evidence? If you have this fear of your neighbor that just seems illegitimate, has your neighbor like waved at you? And you see, then maybe they don't look so bad. I remember when I was a kid, we had this neighbor that lived about two houses down, and he was an older man, and a lot of the kids in the neighborhood were afraid of him. But for some reason, I was able to get to know him myself and another kid, and he was actually a really, really nice guy, really nice guy. But you know what happened is one kid gets a negative thought and tells that to another kid, and but isn't that what happens sometimes in our neighborhoods too, is we get these negative thoughts and we just run with them? Could you do anything to resolve this situation if it does occur? Like if you knock at your neighbor's door and it is a freaking horrible experience and you're just going, oh my gosh, being, you know, radar's going out or just whatever it might be, is it really that catastrophic? Can you bounce back from it? I, I think so. Are you thinking in a way that is unhelpful? And what would you say to a friend who has this fear? I thought that was a great question. What would you say to a friend who has this fear? See, here's our first nugget. It's simply this. To neighbor well, we must have the courage to wrestle with our fear. We must have the courage to wrestle with our fear. And then, because it really is, it really is all about perspective. I found this quote, there's a book I'm reading called The Art of Neighboring, and it says this, it says, what we're saying is that fear change is not only our image of others, but also what we assume they think about us. Our minds just race when it comes to fear. So let's begin to take steps to be able to overcome that in our lives. And that just brings us to the second nugget, which is simply this, focus on the opportunity, not the obstacle. Focus on the opportunity, not the obstacle. If you focus on the opportunity, you're driven by faith. If you focus on the obstacle, you are driven by fear. See, we have to understand this, that God's at work in your neighborhood. He really is at work in your neighborhood. There's something that he's doing to begin to orchestrate change. And so the question that we have to say is, how do I plug into whatever it is that God is doing. How do I plug into that? Now, again, I, and I said this last week and I wanna say this again, this is not some ploy to say, hey, let's become evangelists and reach our neighborhoods for Jesus. It, it's more than that. What this really is about is saying, hey, how can we be the personification of Jesus Christ? Because again, what, what did Jesus do? Jesus came down on this earth and he became one of us. He lived with us. He connected with us. When he invited the disciples to follow him, he didn't say, hey, believe like me, act like me. You know what he said? He said, follow me. In other words, be with me, connect with me, be in a relationship with me. And it was in that relationship that they were able to have spiritual conversations. So what I'm encouraging you to do is not go to your next door neighbor with a tract saying, here are the four spiritual laws of Jesus. No, don't do that. What I'm saying is, instead of taking the four spiritual laws, how about just take a pie? 
<laughs> are some cookies. And just introduce yourself to your neighbor. So again, focus on the opportunity, not the obstacle. I, I love this in First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. It says, now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? So, it's, you know, being a, a neighbor is, is a good thing. Being a good neighbor is a good thing. And the truth is, people want goodness. They do. People want, ni- people want niceties. They want nicest. They, they, they want friendliness. We desire that. We're aching for that. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Don't worry about be, or be afraid of the bad news or be afraid of the negatives. Now, I want to make this really clear. I'm not saying that you throw your wisdom out of the window. Yes, you still need to be wise. You still need to practice discernment. But I'm also saying don't be driven by your fear. It said, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. So I just want to tell you, every time you take a step of faith, it's a step of worship. It is an act of worship. It is saying, Jesus, I adore you, and I am putting my trust in you. I don't know how this is going to work out for me to go next door to my neighbor's house, but I'm going to put my trust in you and see how it works out. And I love this. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But if they ask, and I love this. It doesn't say if you volunteer your, your hope as a believer. It just says if they ask. Why would they ask? Because you built the kind of relationship with them that makes them want to ask. But when you come home, ask, I should say. Um, make sure I pronounce that K. <laughs> but when you come home, I don't know what that last sound was. But when you come home and you pull in your yard and you see your neighbor outdoor, outdoors with a rake, and then you pull into your house and then you change your clothes and you come outside with some gloves and another rake, to help them rake, man, that's, that's, that's significant. I mean, that, that makes a big difference. Wow, that, that's being a good neighbor. That's being a good neighbor. Or when they see, they forgot to, when you see they forgot to set the trash out, so you go ahead and you grab it for them, and you set it on the curb for them for the trash truck to go by. Again, that's, that's being a good neighbor. That's being a good neighbor. And, and so maybe as you're doing that, they might ask you, well, why do you do these things? That's when you can begin to say, well, hey, I'm just doing this because I just wanted to show you that Jesus loves you. But do this, and I love this. Always be ready to explain it, but do this in gentleness and respect. Do it in a gentle and respectful way because you want to keep them as your neighbor. Your job is not to convince them. Your job is to have a conversation, just to connect and build relationships. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Now, I've been in neighborhoods where one neighbor begins to talk badly about another neighbor to another neighbor. What if this happens in your neighborhood? And wouldn't it be beautiful if your neighbor was able to say, you know, no, 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 I know them. I know them. And what you're feeling is not based on truth. Go talk to them. You'll find they're really great people. And unknowingly, what you've done is you've created an advocate for you when someone else complains about you. And then they come and knock on your door, and then you know what they do is they find out that what the neighbor said about you is right. You actually are a nice person, a caring person, a kind person. 
So I really want to challenge us to understand this too. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. And this is the most important point. Following Jesus is never designed to be safe. If you want safety and comfort zone, uh, Christianity is not the place to find it. It's not. And if you have found that in Christianity, uh, you might want to question Are you really acting in your faith? Are you really acting in your faith? Has your Christianity lost its umph? Has it lost its power? Maybe it's time to ask yourself this question. Have I gotten safe? And if you have, it's time to change that. And how do you change it? Walk outside your door, knock on your neighbor's door, and introduce yourself. Again, I love this statement from The Art of Neighboring. God is already working in your neighborhood. Being a good neighbor simply means slowing down, being aware he is doing, and just doing that. By saying, hey, God, I'm going to step into it. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to see what it is that you are doing. So let's make that commitment. Let's step out. Let's move beyond our fear and begin to step into the lives of our neighbor. I would love to hear your story. If you decide to do this, I would love to hear your story. Now, don't miss next week because next week what we're going to do is we're going to get very, very practical, very, very practical on what it looks like to reach out and to connect with our neighbor. Now, out of all of the podcasts that we've done, I'll be honest, next week may be the most I guess reflective, it it may be the most word for word of the series that we've done since we've changed the format of our podcast. I'll I'll bring some different things to it, but this is so important because we're going to talk about this at at, at Encounter next Sunday, but I want to make sure that we have a good foundation on just being practical. We're going to get really practical next week on ways that we can connect with our neighbor. And also what I'll do is I'm going to make some links available next week that you can connect with and be able to look at for ideas on being able to love your neighbor and connect with your neighbor. How do we break the ice? How do we step into the unknown so that we can begin to see change happen? Well, again, I just want to remind you that Encounter is about three things. Love up. We want to be a church that's madly and passionately in love with God. Love out. We are a church that is making a difference in our community. And love in building great relationships here at our church to connect with one another. And as we look at those on an individual basis, again, falling madly and passionately with love of God, in love with God, loving my neighbor, loving others, being coming a person who's more loving today than I was yesterday, and loving in. Let's take good care of ourselves so that we can be able to be available for God to use whenever he desires to do so. And I just want to ask you to do me a favor again, if you are listening to this podcast, if you could go, if you could rate us, That way people can find this podcast if they're looking for other methods of encouragement. And and I've said before, if you would not give us five stars, email me, KenBallardJr, the number four, at gmail.com. Email me. I I would love to know why you wouldn't give us a five star so that we can continue to improve the quality of this podcast so that it can make a difference in the lives of others. Well, again, I just want to take this moment to say thank you so much for your time. 
because I know that your time is valuable. And I really do hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Well, take care. God bless you. And hopefully we'll see you again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. Also, if you'd like to make a donation to our church, allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community, then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there. Well, take care. God bless you. And we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week.